This program is sponsored by the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University. Students and faculty aren't just ready for change at the Scripps College, they're hungry for it. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. Welcome to Spectrum. Spectrum features conversations with an eclectic group of people. Some are famous and some aren't, but the common thread is that they all have captivating stories. Today we're talking with Dr. Trevor Roycroft, a professor at the J. Warren McClure School of Information and Telecommunication Systems at Ohio University. He's also an expert in net neutrality. We're talking about the expected actions of the Federal Communications Commission to roll back the net neutrality regulation and what that means to the average internet user. Many consumer groups feel the repeal will consolidate too much power over the internet in just a few large companies. Dr. Roycroft tells us what that will mean to the average person. Dr. Roycroft, we've heard about net neutrality a couple of times. We've heard back in 2015 and now we're hearing again in 2017. But I'm not sure the average person knows what that means. Can you break that down for us? Yeah, sure. The The idea of network neutrality has been around for quite a while. It's uh, essentially the basic idea behind it is that uh, a consumer who's using the internet or a edge provider, somebody like YouTube or Google or just the average startup company, um, should have the ability to transmit information across the internet without the interference of the companies that own the infrastructure. And for the uh, average consumer, the company that they're most familiar with is their cable company or their telephone company who's providing them their broadband connection. So from the consumer's perspective, it's typically uh, whether the broadband provider is capable of interfering with their uh, internet experience in some way. Now you're talking broadband provider, that'd be, give us an example, AT&T, Verizon, Comcast, the, those kinds of... Right, the, the big, uh, big telecom companies like AT&T and Verizon, CenturyLink, uh, also Frontier, um, cable companies like Comcast and Spectrum, um, those are the big broadband providers. And of course, uh, mobility providers as well. So there's, there's fixed providers and there's wireless mobile providers as well. So what went on record in 2015 under the Obama administration and then Chairman Wheeler uh, of the Federal Communications Commission, the FCC, what was that? Well, at that point, the FCC had been struggling for many years to exercise authority over uh, the behavior of Internet service providers. And in, in 2008, there was a very famous case where Comcast decided that it did not like a certain protocol called BitTorrent that was used by consumers to share files. And it just blocked that technology, it said, you can't use that on our network. It was a perfectly legal technology. Uh, and uh, the Federal Communications Commission tried to stop them. And they discovered um, through court challenges that they did not have the authority to tell an internet service provider that they could not block or throttle or otherwise interfere with the user's experience um, because they had reclassified broadband connections 
uh, under a provision of the law that essentially took away the FCC's authority to um, uh, tell a broadband provider what they could and could not do with the uh, consumer's experience. So in 2015, the Federal Communications Commission decided to reclassify broadband as a telecommunications service, which meant that th there would be um, a, uh, the ability of the FCC to um, tell, a, tell a telecommunications provider like Comcast or AT&T that they could not block, that they could not throttle, that they could not engage in paid prioritization of content. Uh, and it essentially gave the FCC the ability to enforce uh, open internet rules, to uh, enforce an, a neutral network. And it was uh, it resolved a longstanding problem for the Federal Communications Commission. They had been struggling with it for many years and uh, essentially set them on a path to uh, be able to discipline uh, the behavior of, of companies that have market power. You use a couple of terms that maybe we need to define. Block is one. You use the term throttle, uh, another. Uh, explain what those are to sure. the average person. So um, to give you an example, um, a number of years ago, a, a telephone company called Madison River Telephone, um, they decided that they did not want to compete with Vonage, the over-the-top uh, voice provider, the internet uh, voice provider. And so they simply blocked uh, their consumers from using Vonage. So their consumers could purchase this legal technology, but uh, the telephone company said, no, you can't use it. So that, that's one example of blocking. Uh, in 2012, AT&T, uh, the wireless portion of AT&T said, um, we're going to block um, access to FaceTime. So anybody with an iPhone couldn't use FaceTime. So blocking is, is simply a, an internet service provider um, saying, you shall not do this. Um, the, the BitTorrent case was another example of blocking. Um, the the uh, Comcast said, you shall not use this, and we're just going to block um, access to that. Throttling means that you would um, essentially slow down an Internet connection. And uh, the, the process of slowing down an Internet connection is something that a broadband provider can do. They can, they can essentially tune or dial the amount of speed associated with uh, your use of the Internet um, based on something like um, packets, that, uh, the, the type of packet that you're sending over the Internet. So if they, um, for example, see you using too much video, they could potentially um, decide that they're going to slow down your video experience. And, and many people on wireless plans have had that uh, happen to them where they're, they're using uh, their wireless plan and suddenly find that they're throttled down to a lower speed because of a choice that they make or because they've, uh, they've hit some sort of a data cap associated with their wireless plan. So throttling essentially just means, uh, you know, slowing down or interfering with the transmission of information. It still happens, but with blocking, it doesn't happen. The, the transmission of information just stops outright. The slowing process uh, it has a direct relationship to the consumer and I assume would be something that uh, certainly content providers would be concerned about. They're concerned about blocking too, I'm sure. But, but it's not just the consumers, it's content providers that are upset with this, correct? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, to give you another illustration of, of when things slowed down for consumers, and it also directly um, involves a content provider, in late 2013 and early 2014, Netflix consumers, uh, people who might be using, say, bro- uh, their broadband connection with Comcast or Verizon to, to watch Netflix video, suddenly found that the Netflix videos slowed down. The streaming slowed down considerably, and the performance of the, of the video was uh, negatively affected. Um, there was a dispute ongoing between Netflix and Verizon and Comcast, and in that dispute, um, Verizon and Comcast were asking Netflix to pay additional monies to get their content down to the end-use consumer. Um, so the in, in that particular case, the slowing down was definitely something that consumers noticed. Uh, the 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 quality of their stream diminished, and uh, the, the it was no it was no technical glitch. It was no accident. It was the result of the broadband provider making a decision that they were going to uh, try to hold up uh, Netflix for some additional money. Chairman Pai, who's been there since uh, President Trump took office and came in with. Uh, as I understand it and what I've read, a, a expressed uh, mission to, to remove uh, net neutrality. Uh, the people on, on the FCC, the, the, I think there are five members, uh, certainly a vote is um, a certainty <laughs> under, under this leadership and this uh, group of, of commissioners. Uh, December 14th, there's to be this vote. There has been all of this flood of protest against it. And uh, as a short-term measure, people have asked that it be delayed so it can be uh, studied more. Uh, that's not going to happen, is it? It does not seem likely. It, it could, but uh, it seems like there, it's all systems go for a December 14th vote at this time. Um, the, the FCC under under Chairman Pai has released what's known as a draft order, um, and the draft order is something that lays out the broad parameters associated with what we expect to see in the final order. And uh, at this point, if there had been uh, a indication that the FCC was going to change significantly was what was in the draft order, we probably see by now a uh, a move on the F- FCC to delay the uh, the uh, decision. And we haven't seen that yet, so I'm expecting, at least as of today, to see an uh, see item on the agenda and see it voted out on the 14th. So it gets voted out. Does it become effective immediately? Walk us through sort of the procedural side of this. Well, after it's voted out, it has to uh, appear in the federal register before it becomes official. Um, however, the FCC um, is not a, um, a independent authority without oversight, and the oversight comes through the federal courts. Uh, it is likely that the order will be appealed to the District of Columbia um, Federal District Court, and that appeal will then start the process of deciding whether or not the FCC has made errors in the uh, in the order, and, and you know, the, the order is very unusual in that it essentially says that the FCC doesn't want to have anything to do with this regulatory process anymore. Um, they uh, are 
essentially setting up a framework where they're requiring certain disclosures on the part of broadband ISPs. But unlike the FCCs of the past, even FCCs under previous Republican administrations, um, all of the FCC decisions up until this draft order have pointed to the desirability of no blocking and no throttling, no discrimination. Um, the draft order says we really don't care about those things. We, we think that those things are okay um, as long as the broadband ISP discloses what they're doing. And discloses on a, a website uh, so the consumers can see it or disclose to whom? Well, the, the disclosure requirements are interesting in their own right um, from the standpoint that they essentially reduce the rigor of disclosure that had been previously put into the uh, rules of the FCC in 2015. So they don't have to disclose um, as much uh, on certain matters, such as whether you are buying a plan that has data caps associated with it. Um, but with regard to the disclosure, the ISP is told that they should either put it on their website or they don't even have to do that. They can just disclose to the FCC and then the FCC will put it on their website. So it, it creates a strange environment for the consumer from the standpoint that, okay, I'm trying to figure out what my broadband provider's policies are. I go to their website and I don't see anything. Um, it might be that there's something else on the FCC's website um, that has been disclosed there. So it makes it more difficult for the consumer to understand just what it is that they're buying and what it is that their broadband provider might be doing. Anybody that follows uh Washington uh, bureaucracy and and politics and uh, will know that it is unusual for any agency to wash their hands and give up power. <laughs> Mostly agencies are trying to or they're at least accused of trying to accumulate more power. Not only does the FCC in this instance give up power but they're transferring some of their power to the Federal Trade Commission, as I understand it. That is correct. The, the theory of the FCC's draft order is that the Federal Trade Commission will take over and be able to discipline the marketplace. Now, unknown to most is the fact that um, earlier this year, uh, the Federal Trade Commission uh, was uh, handed a defeat uh, in its ability to regulate what are known as common carriers. Um, Section 5 of the FTC Act, which is the empowering law behind the Federal Trade Commission, um, says that the F FTC has no authority to regulate a common carrier. And in this decision, which was handed down in the, uh, in the Ninth Circuit, was uh, uh, FTC versus ATT Mobility, which was a case involving throttling of a wireless consumers' experience. In other words, AT&T had told its consumers you had unlimited data uh, on their wireless plan, but the consumers discovered that it was unlimited up to a point, and then things slowed down wow. considerably. So the FTC sued um, AT&T Mobility, um, you know, on on false, you know, false marketing practices. Uh, and the AT&T Mobility challenged uh, what the FTC had ordered them to do, which was to stop throttling. They took it to the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, and the, the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals ruled that it doesn't matter whether the company that uh, the FTC is governing provides nothing but common carrier services or just one. So. The FTC said, 
because AT&T's mobility service was not a common carrier service, but they do provide some other common carrier services, you have no jurisdiction here. And so the FTC at this point is essentially without jurisdiction over any company that offers any common carrier service. And so this is a case surrounding AT&T Mobility, but your AT&T Wireline provider is in the same boat. They, under the FTC, under the FCC's decision, they were, you know, they, they reclassified broadband as a information service rather than a common carrier telecommunication service. But AT&T offers other common carrier services. And if the Ninth Circuit's decision stands, then there would essentially be nobody with any authority. Now, just to wrap up the Ninth Circuit, there, there's currently what's called an on, on bank um, proceeding associated with that. Which is all the judges all of the that judge. circuit as opposed to the usual panel of three. Right. So the panel of three made a decision, and now the entire um, circuit is going to review the case. So sometime in 2018, presumably, we'll learn – um, whether or not the um, Ninth Circuit thinks that the three-judge panel was correct or not. And that's no easy task with the Ninth Circuit because the Ninth Circuit's one of the largest, if not the largest, geographic circuit. Takes in Hawaii and Guam and, and, and uh, Alaska and a huge area. Right. And, and beyond that, even if the Ninth Circuit were to say that, you know, to reverse the three-judge panel, um, this could still go to the Supreme Court. And uh, the, the, the underlying issue here, and, and I think it's suggested by your question about the, um, the FCC and giving up authority, is, is a theme that we're seeing in Washington, D.C. these days, and that is to eliminate what's known as the administrative state. Um, the FCC is an administrative agency, so are many others like the Security and Exchange Commission, the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, the alphabet soup of agencies that emerged right. after um, the New Deal. And uh, we're seeing, you know, essentially efforts to dismantle that structure. And the Supreme Court, um, you know, is today providing a, a venue where the arguments um, about dismantling the administrative state may be more um, well-received, especially with the uh, appointment of uh, Neil Gorsuch, who is, a, you know, his interpretation of the Constitution is that if it, if it wasn't there in the Founding Fathers' point of view, then, you know, essentially it's, it's not consistent with our Constitution. Neil Gorsuch, however, just replaced Justice Scalia. So if you're looking at judicial philosophy, that's, that's really no gain. Uh, and, and it always breaks down under this court to either – to usually Justice Kennedy <laughs> being the uh, pivotal one where you have four conservatives, you have four fairly liberal justices, and then Justice Kennedy in the middle. Agreed. We'll be back after this message. At the Scripps College of Communication at Ohio University, students and faculty aren't just ready for change, they're hungry for it. The Scripps College was awarded $878,000 by the Ohio University Innovation Strategy Program for an immersive media initiative that will allow students to become skilled leaders in immersive media, especially virtual and augmented reality. 
The college's Game Research and Immersive Design Lab will serve as the hub for the initiative and provide several million dollars worth of gear, processes, intellectual property, award-winning scholars, and partnerships for the project. Learn more at ohio.edu slash Scripps College. The FCC is giving up some of its power, which is this getting rid of the administrative state, but they're giving some of their power to the FTC, the Federal Trade Commission, but the FTC may not have the authority to exercise that power. So you're giving them something that they can they can perhaps do nothing with. Right. Well, essentially, the FCC is giving up power and and assigning responsibility to the FTC. There, there's not a transfer of power there. It's, you know, the FTC has a separate set of powers. But yes, essentially, it's saying we, we don't want responsibility for this anymore. And we're giving it to you. Yeah, that's right. It's but, but one agency has no authority to give another agency power. That's right. <laughs> that comes from congressional authority in establishing the agency and the regulatory process in the beginning. Right. So this it, this sounds incredibly complicated and incredibly uh, time-consuming. So let's just break down the time. If the the commission votes to take away net neutrality and, and to uh, basically remove the action of 2015. And they do that on December 14th in a vote. It has to go to the Federal Register. Is there a 30-day, 60-day, 90-day period that this uh, sort of stands in limbo before it goes into effect? Yeah, well, given the holidays, it's hard to say exactly how quickly things will come about. But I would expect that you know, in the first quarter of uh, 2018, that the FCC's rules will go into effect. Uh, I would expect at that point, um, and possibly, uh, you know, that that legal the legal actions for appeal will be moving quickly, uh, and the the parties that appeal. Uh, will have the right to ask for the order to be stayed. Right. But that's up to the court. That's certainly not a slam dunk automatic. Absolutely. Um, for example, in 2015, when the, when the shoe was on the other foot, so to speak, and the broadband ISPs had just been de- dealt a defeat from the FCC, they asked the district court to stay the, uh, the order because they argued, and typically this is what it's argued at a state, that there's going to be irreparable harm as a result of these rules going into effect. The district court uh, dismissed that and let the rules go into effect. Now, this, this time, however, the, the, DC, the D.C. Circuit has been um, dealing with this network neutrality um, issue since uh, 2010. Uh, and so they're very familiar with, with what's been happening. And in fact, their guidance that they offered the FCC in a decision in 2014 um, helped the FCC shape its 2015 order. Um, so the, the, the district court is very familiar with the issue, and I, I think they will be a little bit skeptical of what the FCC is doing here, especially given that it's uh, been done so quickly and the foundations of the FCC's new decision are, are really quite tenuous with regard to 
um, the rationale for the reversal and change of course. They, they don't offer a good explanation of why they needed to take such dramatic actions. Other than they just wanted rid of it. They that, wanted, uh, we're getting rid of this authority. Exactly. And, and in fact, there's, there was a quote that from uh, Ajit Pai, who's the FCC chairman, um, that he issued just before the, the notice of proposed rulemaking came out in 2017, earlier in, on April 26th. And uh, he was at the museum um, giving a speech, and he said at that speech, talking about this order, throughout the discussion to come, you will hear from the other side that Title II regulation is the only way to preserve a free and open Internet. This is a lie. Um, so he, he came to this proceeding with a, you know, a preconceived notion of what the outcome should be. Um, the FCC is a policymaking authority, but they also have judicial um, implications, which means impartiality. They, they judge cases That's right. that come before them, whether it's licensure cases, all, uh, a broad range of cases come to them as an adjudicatory body. Exactly. And, uh, you know, it, it's quite clear that, uh, that, that, that impartiality was absent from the get-go here. And, uh, you know, I, I think there, there's, it, this has not been a secret, and it's certainly something that the D.C. Circuit will have been aware of as well. And uh, it may add to their skepticism. And again, breaking this down for our average listener out there, once the regulation goes into effect, after it's been uh, passed by the FCC, after it's been published in the Federal Register, even if it's in court, it will still be in effect unless the court orders a stay of the order, which basically says, let's put this on hold while we decide the legalities of it. Uh, that'll go to the district court in D.C. first, which is the trial court of the federal system. And then uh, if people want to take it further, and they probably would, uh, it would go to the D.C. circuit, which is an appellate court within the federal system. And then that's the intermediary step between the trial court and the Supreme Court. So it could have a fairly long uh, judicial process after, after the vote. Would that be accurate? Absolutely. Absolutely. If, uh, if the rules are not stayed, they would go into effect, as, as you indicate. And it could be quite some time before the dust um, finally settles. Um, the, uh, the FCC issued a set of uh, open Internet rules in 2010, uh, and it wasn't until uh, 2014 that we got, you know, late 2013, early 2014, that we got the decision um, out of that one. So th this, this process could be going on for a number of years. So again, back to our average user, if, they, if the court does put on a stay, then things will be the way they are now, the way they are today. Until or unless the court removes that stay and, and reasserts the action of the FCC. That is correct. However, if the court does not issue a stay, then the ruling of the FCC is in place while the judicial system cranks along or, or slogs along, as some people would think. Yes. Yes. Okay. So – I'm sitting in my home in, let's say, February of 2018 after the holidays, and uh, what may I see? Let's assume there's no stay. What, what am I going to see as a consumer? Well, as a consumer, the 
impact would likely not be immediate. Um, the, there, there's a potential, for example, for fast lanes. Right now, fast lanes on the internet are banned. What, what a fast, fast lane means is that a uh, broadband ISP, through the control of their technology, can sell a priority service to um, some edge provider. So, for example, now, an edge provider being somebody like Google or okay. YouTube, okay. Um, so Netflix, etc., and of uh-huh. course the the millions of other you know companies sure. and individuals that produce content and distribute it over the internet. Um, so, what you could start to see happening relatively soon is that certain content um, would be paying for prioritization. Uh, and therefore, you would get a different user experience uh, as a result of that. Um, those It'd who, be a prime, prime, prime <laughs> kind of thing. Exactly, and and it, and it raises it raises interesting questions for the, from the standpoint of um, you know I, how does how does broadband get sold to the consumer? Well, you buy a plan that says you get speeds up to thirty megabits per second. Um, does this new environment then cause your speeds to exceed the plan that you are purchasing them under? Or does it mean that only those that pay will get up to 30 megabits per second and everybody else will get less? Um, so it raises some complicated and interesting um, problem areas, which the FCC was part of the reason why the FCC banned paid prioritization in the first place in its 2015 order. Um, but what it does then for those who can't afford to pay at the network edge is it offers them a diminished ability to reach their consumers. So if I'm a startup company and I've got you know a, a great idea um, today with network neutrality, um, I put that idea out onto the internet and it's treated equally with any other information that's sent out there. And uh, consumers, the marketplace decides who's the winner and who's the loser. This is part of the the, the beauty of the internet and why it's been such a an innovation engine. Hence the innovations of Twitter and Facebook and Snapchat and and all of the various. Uh, it seems like we we have something new all the time. That's right, and th- there's there's no gatekeeper uh, in in the world of today. What what we wind up with under the FCC's approach is a potential for a gatekeeper. And in the long term, um, this could have a very negative impact on innovation. Um, it, would ha- it would essentially place the broadband ISP as in a position to pick winners and losers. Um, if a broadband ISP um, is pursuing, for example, uh, some new technology, something associated, for example, with the Internet of Things, the, 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 the new technology platform that we're starting to hear about, um, other innovators who are also working on the Internet of Things may find that their applications don't work as well on Comcast network. Maybe they're blocked. Maybe they're throttled. Um, so you have it has huge competitive implications uh, with regards to the entire marketplace associated with what we commonly refer to as internet technologies, which are, of course, a growing component of our overall um, of our overall lives. And in if this goes into effect, this will certainly have the trickle-down effect to the consumer. And, and let's walk through this. The large broadband providers, the Verizons, the Comcasts, the AT&Ts, will be able to tell the content providers, you've got to pay us X amount to get on our system. And if you don't, we can either block you 
or if we even let you on our system, we can we can throttle you, which would be death to a Netflix or a, a, a somebody like that, a YouTube. So let's assume they have to pay more to provide the same content that they're providing now. Well, to be an effective business model, then they have to charge that to the consumer. So the end result, uh, and you're the economist, I'm not, but the end result is the consumer is going to pay more perhaps for what they just have now. Plus, they can maybe get accelerated services by even paying a higher premium. Is that is that a correct analysis or not? Well, when you said the paying the higher premium at the end, the consumer would not be paying for the fast lane. It would be the edge provider, the Netflix. And, and, and in that context, your example was, was spot on. Okay. Netflix, if they are going to be charged to get reasonable quality to deliver your, you know, your Netflix customer, you pay Netflix every month for the video um, in order for you to get the quality experience that you want. If Netflix has to pay the broadband provider something extra, um, then Netflix is going to have to recover those costs. Now, those who are, you know, those on the side of the broadband ISPs will say, well, the broadband ISPs will reduce your price as a broadband customer because they're collecting these revenues from Netflix. And while that's a hypothetical possibility, uh, it's only going to happen in the marketplace if there's competition. And for broadband access, there is not competition. Um, most, most consumers have uh, a duopoly when it comes to broadband. That is, they have two choices. Yeah. And among those choices, one of them is typically a uh, telephone company that may not have upgraded its network and therefore has very low quality, uh, uh, very low quality product, leaving them with just one choice, their cable provider. And that's exactly the boat that I'm in, in at my residence um, from the standpoint that the telephone company, they can give me 1.5 megabits per second. Um, I can't run my household on 1.5 megabits per second. So I have one choice, and that, that is the, the cable company. So the argument that, that is made with regard to competition somehow controlling— That this is going to give freedom to the <laughs> Internet process. Right. Well, the, the, you know, the, the, the propaganda title of the, of the uh, Internet Freedom Order is, uh, you know, is, is certainly misleading at, uh, at, at least. And that's what this is called, the Internet Freedom Order. Right, right. Expanding inter- Internet freedom. Uh, and uh, you know, as a result, uh, you know, I think consumers um, are are just going to be facing an environment where um, the world is not going to be as good as it once was for them. Things will be more expensive. There'll be less innovation, uh, and uh, you know, there's certainly uh, an ability of the part of the broadband ISP to leverage its market power into an expanding set of markets. Um, things like Internet of Things, telehealth, distance education. All of these are areas where broadband ISPs are either already established or uh, taking up positions, meaning that they will be competing with edge providers and having an inherent advantage in that they have the, they control the broadband connection uh, to reach down to the end user. Well, it's going to be interesting to see how this <laughs> plays out, both from the, the regulatory uh, side of it to the legal side of it to the consumer and business side of it. It certainly is a, a complicated issue. Dr. Roycroft, thank you so much for 
coming in and, and helping us understand this. And I hope that you'll come back as we walk through this process or slog through this process uh, to give us updates periodically. I'd be happy to. All right. Thank you. Today, we've been talking with Dr. Trevor Roycroft, an economist and expert in consumer issues in telecommunication. We've been specifically examining the impact of the rollback of net neutrality on the average Internet user. Spectrum is produced by WOUB Public Media. Adam Rich is our co-producer. I'm your host, Tom Hudson. Please subscribe to Spectrum. You can do that at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, or at NPR One. We also welcome your feedback, so please rate our podcast or review it, and you can do that at Apple Podcasts. If you have questions or comments about any of our podcasts, please direct them to me by email. You can do that at hudson at ohio.edu. That's hudson, H-O-D-S-O-N at ohio.edu.